You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1036 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's podcast will be having a short introduction. So yesterday on the show, I had PD Webb on for part one of a two-part discussion. And if you're listening to this now and you did not hear that last podcast, go back and listen to it because this is part two that you're about to hear with myself and PD Webb. PD is very smart on the NBA draft. We talked for a long time, both yesterday and today on the show. We recorded it in one sitting, but this is part two that you're about to hear. And I want to stress that here at the top. So if you want the whole conversation, go back to part one. Also, last thing before I get to the conversation with PD is that this is actually going to be heard on July 14th on Wednesday, and that is the fifth anniversary of the launch of this podcast. We've done more than a thousand episodes, as evident by the title of this podcast, but five years exactly since I launched the show in Las Vegas at Summer League, and uh, that's a long time. So I, I was reminded of that in, uh, in our actual Locked On podcast network filings of some sort, but I was uh, intrigued. I wanted to at least pass that along. Thank you for all the support that I've received from all of you on this podcast over five years. Look forward to five more, hopefully, and five more beyond that. But honestly, a pleasure to do the podcast and uh, over a thousand episodes. And thank you again for all the support. So with all that out of the way, a word from our sponsors, and then we'll dive into the show with PD. But first, a word from Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite teams, athletes, leagues, and sports. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about any sports topic, team, or league, and you will find fans just like you on Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, news reactions, the latest rumors, and much more. You can even find some of the hosts from the Lockdown Podcast Network discussing your favorite teams and storylines. The Green Room is a fantastic place to engage with sports conversations, either for diehards or even for more casual observers. Download the Spotify Green Room app for free right now, currently available on all iOS devices. From there, you'll want to be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NBA, NFL, MLB, or NHL groups for the latest league updates. You can find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues, and the Lifetime Podcast Network is all over the place to give you the latest insight on Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app right now. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. We spent a lot of time in part one talking about the top of the draft, the second round, but uh, now we get into the meat of what Hawks fans, I think, want to hear about most, and that's uh, the number 20 pick. We got into this a little bit in part one, but I want to ask you even more broadly, like, what your approach would be as the Hawks. Like, not saying, like, trade up, trade down, that kind of stuff, but how would you be entering? How would you be looking at this? And I trust you as well as someone who's watched enough of the NBA to know what the Hawks' situation is as well. Like, where would your head, where would your head be at right now if you were Travis Schleck at number 20 overall? So I think that this is a draft that 20 is like, I think you'd kind of want to be closer to like 16, 17. Ideally, this is a draft where moving up is going to be very easy. But like this is a draft where players will fall just because the team needs are so varied and trades are, are going to be so accessible for teams with double picks uh, based on how the lottery played out. So my approach would definitely be wait and see um, in terms of the philosophy of drafting. There are a number of players who suit the broad need of of the um, Hawks, I would say, which is just like trying to get as many connectors as possible. Um, I think that the idea of drafting like a backup point guard, knowing you have a primary initiator who can like carry a playoff series is um, not a good allocation of resources at 20. 
Um, and that this draft really gets interesting um, once you get outside the lottery because there are so many players who are very talented but need either specific context for their development or for their for their like broad valuation. So like you have guys like Zaire Williams, um, who was seen as a top five prospect in high school, um, had an injury and then uh, struggled through his his year at Stanford. Um, probably needs time to to get stronger and and access his like really high level shot making. Um, I would say that he is uh, a, a comparison you get a lot for, with him is, is Cam Reddish in terms of like the the short term or the short the small space quickness at their size. Zaire's uh, nearly six ten, but he's like basically a two guard. That's not something that teams in the lottery can really afford, but you can slow play something like that in the twenties, and that's a prospect who will most likely be available or you know nearly available if you wanted to move up two or three spots. And so, to me, this is a fantastic place to be in as a playoff team because you get to pick which genre of development track you believe in. So, like, do you believe in you know a, a player who has every tool but shooting? Can we develop shooting? A player who, you know, maybe can do a lot of things, struggles to dribble. Oh, Trey Young will do the dribbling. If you can, you know, dribble in a straight line and shoot a jumper, you'll be fine. Um, you know, do you draft a defense first prospect, knowing that, like, the offense will never truly be an issue because there are so many interesting creators on the roster? I think this is a fantastic spot to be in, and it's also a, a spot that's really going to allow Travis Schlenk to experiment and not, you know, just solve for team need, but try to, you know, can you get a player that can add to either a playoff series um, you know, in two years or, you know, bring the best out of the prospects that are already in development. Yeah. It's interesting sort of dichotomy because, you know, a lot of, we, and we got to do this a little bit on the last show too, but um, a lot of the reactions are like, all right, what, what can the Hawks do here to help their team next year? And I always try to say like, especially at 20, but really anywhere in the draft, you don't want to be thinking about the guy's a rookie. Uh, that's not what you're looking for because most rookies are bad. And even the Almost ones, every. That, even the ones that aren't like, you know, that's not why you're drafting them. You're drafting them for two, three years from now. That's generally what you're trying to do. Um, and the Hawks, even more so, given that they are deep. Um, projected, projected, I would say, is the right word that I would use to return everyone. I know Collins can leave, but if I had to do a projection right now, I would say their entire core projects to return, um, and they already have a lot of talent. So you're looking to the future. A name like Zaire, um, I'm of the mind generally that you can't have too many wings. People don't always love that. I, I think you could just, especially with the way the game is being played now and the fact that guys like Reddish and Hunter are pretty versatile, um, they can't, you know, drafting, drafting a wing would not be a concern for me. I, I would like them to add more wings and fours and uh, forwards, I should say, um, just more versatility. So, yeah, they could, they could draft a guard for sure. Um, but I'm kind of with you, like, you know, connectors. And, um, you know, if you, if you can get a guy that's a lottery talent, um, like, for instance, Jalen Johnson, like, sometimes falls to the Hawks' range in mocks. And I know there's some off-court stuff with Jalen Johnson, but, like, if you can get that guy who is pretty clearly a lottery talent at 20, you just kind of have to think about that, unless there's some sort of red flag I don't know about. And Zaire's a good example of that, too. Like, yeah, he had kind of a nightmare season at Stanford, but um, they were, like, living out of a hotel for all season long, and it was just a bizarre situation. So I give him some, some grace on that. So if somebody falls to you, and that might happen, I mean, this is a different example, but... I used this the other day, but 2017, no one thought John Collins was getting to the Hawks at 19, and he did. And they thought, and they, by the way, the Hawks included, thought that he wasn't going to get to them. And he, they were just like, okay, he fell in our lap, we'll take him. Um, and that might happen here. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's sort of like we talked about uh, uh, last episode with the EIE. It's like sometimes teams just decide that Wake Forest buckets don't count. Like, that's, if you talk to people from that draft, they were just like, yeah, I mean, they were a bad team, and, you know, they were, he was, 
people you don't want to say like they're meaningless buckets but like you know how real is this on a good team and the answer is like uh yeah it's, it turns out it's pretty real uh you just get those circumstances where if talent falls to you like you sometimes just have to be like i'm willing i accept some of the challenges that come with this um it can be difficult for teams that have been lottery for a long time where you um yeah you have to you know uh hitch your wagons to to a teenager or, or a person in their early 20s but you also like don't have to judge out qualifications like if you're at 20 it's like do i take the player who's really skinny and need to work something needs to work on flexibility or do i take the player who's like 24 years old and, and like is a good player but you know if we have a setback and maybe you know an injury or you know whatever terrible things that could happen and you know we hope they don't like in two years is, is this player we're going to pay like really good money to like these are the questions at, at that can be difficult for teams that have been lottery, which is like, yeah, take the good guy. It's like, well, that's not really the situation we're in anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I will, uh, I will save uh, to the very end to ask you like, like for a couple of guys that you're really, really looking at and would actually target if you were Atlanta. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about some positions and I think we'll start with the lead guard slash combo guard types that are often associated with the Hawks just because uh, I get asked about them all the time. So I figured I'd ask you, there's kind of a, I'm just going to throw a ton of names out right now. You can take, what you will from this list. But I think there are basically like seven, maybe eight guys that I'm often asked about in this. They're different players for sure, but you have Sharif Cooper, you have uh, Jane Springer. Uh, we talked about Jared Butler's medical stuff, but he's on this list. Bone, Bones Highland, Miles McBride, Trey Mann, uh, Cam Thomas. And then the seven and a half. The reason I said this is that people ask me about Ayo Desunmu, and I think he's more of a two, but people always talk about his lead guard stuff. I'm not a believer in that, but that's a bunch of guys that are often mocked between like 15 and 30, uh, maybe 35 that I get asked about. Uh, any of those names scream at you uh, as Hawks targets? Because uh, we, we talked about Sharif's passing. Um, he is my favorite of this entire group, I think. But also, he could kind of never play with Trey Young, which is, in, in my dream world, you would find someone in this role that could also play with Trey. And I don't think that, that, that doesn't really fit Sharif Cooper. Yeah, um, I think that it sounds awesome. Um I think that the, having that much passing would be really, really cool. I don't think it's functional. Um, I also don't I think it's the best op optimization of him. Like to me, Sharif Cooper's like high end ceiling is, you know, doing essentially the same role as Trey Young. Well, I was gonna like, say where, I, if, I, if I'm rooting for Sharif Cooper and I think he's a local product and I yeah. I hope that I hope the best for him. If for me, I don't want him in Atlanta for for his reasons because I think he's got upside. And that that will never be realized in Atlanta. There's no chance of him being what he can be with the Hawks. There's just no there's no way. That's roughly the same place. I'm, I also do not think he will be there at twenty. I don't. Um, I don't either. I think somebody's going to fall in love. I mean, I, same thing with Jaden you know, Springer. Off like sometimes falls this far. I think he'll be gone too. I think there's just the guys that um, have that upside. It, it only takes one team, and I think those two in particular. Um, I, said, I said their names first because of that reason. I think those guys are going to be gone. You're probably looking more towards that Bones Highland, Miles McBride, Trey Mann, Cam Thomas group. Um, and you have your, they're all they're all different players, by the way, but they're all you know between six two and six four, and uh, they all get talked about as lead guards. <laughs> yeah, to me, every one of them is a two. Like it is a combo or a two um, in in that group, and that's a good thing um, because with the specific way that the Atlanta roster is constructed that is the area where it's easiest to find connectors. So like, I think that backup guards are a fairly easy thing to find a replacement level of both in the draft because like the older guards slip just, you know, by, by, you know, just thinking about upsides and archetypes and also like older guards generally want to be on good teams. 
So if you have a guy who's 27, 28, it's in free agency, it's easier to get that guy to come over because like his choices are to probably put, to play play more and you know mentor the kids, um, which is a, a difficult life, or like play backup minutes for uh, a, a good team. And, and I think that's a as a good team, you get to now say like, hey, we'd like you to take a pay cut, and I think you can get teams to do get get a backup point guards to do that. So I think that that targeting a a one or overdrafting one in a in a draft where like I do not think that there is a uh, like a, a point guard who is at the level of twenty because I think Sharif will be gone. Um, seems like bad asset and and uh, strategy allocation. Yeah. So I mean, you're so basically. I'm, I've been I've been saying just so you know I've been saying that the Hawks do not need to take point guard. I'm not saying they couldn't, but I think it's way overblown that the Hawks you know quote unquote need or should take a point guard here or a lead guard here a combo guard here. I think they could, but so basically, if Sharif is gone and I guess if Springer is gone, would you take anybody else here? I think the answer is no. From what you're saying, as, um, as the Hawks. So I can okay. I I I think there is a real chance that Springer is here. Oh really? Okay, well, I guess there's there is a pretty big divide on him. I, I think I would definitely consider Springer at twenty. No question about that. Um, I think we're far enough in to say that like I would take Springer over Suggs. Ooh, uh, I mean, this uh, is yeah. I guess if people want to listen to this, they'll they'll have to be listening for a while. Uh, yeah, that is definitely a take. I'm not saying you're insane. I, I know that I'm not I'm not gonna print, I'm not gonna paint you with the draft Twitter brush, but there, uh, Jane Springer is certainly much higher in draft Twitter world than he seems to be in league consensus circles. I've, I always liked him. I think his defense is like really, really, really fun. Um, but tell me why on that. Um, so I am a, a big believer in draft age. He's very young. <laughs> he is uh, like 16 months younger than uh, Suggs, which is certainly interesting to me. Um, it's also that like Springer presents as like they're roughly the similar archetype you know i I don't see Suggs as a primary i think uh, springer is and like there's a meaningful question of like what happens if they switch teams like for whatever reason you know Suggs is on tennessee with their um difficult spacing um and and like uh offense that that is really predicated on on jump stops and and having to make these like six to to 12 foot jumpers um and just like generally playing uh, insane defense um eve ponds we love you um every team should try to get him as a udfa um, just an incredible player. Um, and like, what if Springer was in a situation where, you know, things were really set. He had clear driving lanes and there was always two, uh, like plus, plus, plus shooters facing the floor for him with, uh, you know, like a college sledgehammer, like Drew Timmy, um, sitting in the dunker spot. Like that is a, a, and a situation that like Suggs made the most of, but it's also that that's a situation like perfectly painted for a guy who's like, you know, um, for anyone, Maybe. really. <laughs> but yeah. yes, especially for him, though. I agree. I mean, that's a point that I think has been made, too. But it, it is worth emphasizing that, like, you can like Suggs and also acknowledge that it doesn't get better um, for showcasing yourself than what Gonzaga had this year um, around him. It was uh, especially especially if you're a guard who has some con- concerns about advantage creation. But, yeah, because there's plenty, plenty of room and plenty of other guys that people had to worry about and all that stuff. So, I mean, I... I I will not go as far as to say Springer over Suggs, but I do understand what you're coming from. And also, I think that's also a, um, a boon for Springer. Like for instance, I I did, I was, I was the Hawks in a mock the other day and Springer went 19 right before me. 
But I, I was in a spot. With, I, th- I think the Hawks are not going to be in this spot, but I was choosing between Jalen Johnson and, J- and Jaden Springer. So after 18, I, suddenly both those guys were on the board, and I was like, well, I can't lose here in my mind. Uh, but I couldn't decide who I was going to take, and then they made it easier for me. I took Springer at 19, so I just took, I took Jalen at 20. But uh, if the Hawks are in that spot, then congratulations to the Hawks for that. But Yeah, I mean, to me, Springer is the – if I were to think about what I wanted for this pick, it would basically be Jaden Springer. Like that is about as perfect of a player who has scalable usage. Like Springer shot forty percent from three this year. He doesn't. He didn't take threes at any kind of volume. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't really buy. No, that. I don't. I, I am a believer that that volume is the best indicator of shooting ability, especially on a good team. Like if your coach is letting you shoot, there's a reason why. Well, he was in a um, weird. I mean, not to go down the Rick Barnes rabbit hole, but that was a weird situation for him. Yeah, for he sure. also played twenty six minutes a game. Yeah, as like an unquestioned five star. Like there was a a a offensive context and, and minutes per game context that is uh, meaningfully different than a lot of other players. Um, I will say there's nothing mechanically wrong with the jumper. He's hesitant. He's hesitant to take them. The form looks good. It's, I would say it's projectable. I think he has like good touch indicators. He shot uh, 80% from, from the free throw line and he gets there all the time. Just uh, an absolute tank. Um, him and Suggs have similar like handle concerns. Um, I would say that the difference to me is that like, um, Springer has, I would say, lower hanging fruit um, in terms of his development. Like he needs to make the Donovan Mitchell adjustment where he either learns how to um, extension layup more. He wants to finish inside of his body often, uh, you know, work on on the uh, flexibility to extension finish off two feet or go to as a one footed finisher more often. Um, And to me, that's a pretty, I don't want to say easy adjustment, but that's like a thing that would raise a lot of his both uh, like his, his finishing profile and also just like his efficiency numbers, which were already good. Like there's, there is a meaningful difference between a player who's doing well in I would say a difficult context than a player who's doing great in a great context. And that's like why I think that Springer is, is a more interesting prospect to me. Um, I think that you, you get a lot of the, the positives um, like, you know, the ability to make smart reads, the, the quickness of decision-making, um, the the scalable usage, I think Suggs may struggle to get down to like really smaller usages. Um, but like if you're getting sort of the same archetype and you can get that at 20 on a team where like you have a ton of ball handlers, you have a ton of shooting, you have uh, open lanes that are ready to be exploited. And then to me, the most meaningful difference is that Suggs can guard like three and a half positions. Like he, uh, he might have some struggle with your truest ones, um, but like you'd probably put Cam on them. Oh like yeah, long-term. I mean they have they have I, mean, I know this is weird to say but they they've always kind of liked Hunter on point guards like yeah. more than people understand that they do like a lot of times you know Cam is, is really good at that too but they've when they've been able to choose they usually put Hunter on the lead guards which it's is almost like they built a roster to uh, it's almost like to, to offset to offset uh, you know Trey and the idea is just like there'd be one less place to like fight for Trey switches. It's also like if you wanted to have three options on point guards instead of four or instead of two, like you can just, you can basically put a bunch on the table. And the only thing that you're taking off is like, I think that Springer can be difficult to sell because he has more like star in his role upside than star upside, but also like sure. the Hawks don't need stars. Like, yeah, you know. I mean, that's the thing about this pick. I mean, obviously you always want upside, but you know, you got to know where you're drafting. And at 20, it's not impossible to find a star, but it's not, what you're looking to do uh generally yeah my argument for for players of this archetype is that like you're not trying to get a player who's going to win an all-star game you're trying to get a player who will win you one quarter of a conference finals game 
Like you don't, that's the difference between advancing and around and not. It's like, you and who can be on the floor as well. Like yeah. guys that can be on the floor in the playoffs. Like, like for real. Does he have, does he have the specific, you know, alignment of traits that completes a five man lineup. That's going to give you a seven over run coming out of that uh, media timeout in the third quarter. Like that's really what you're drafting for at this point. Like, and, and that's really specific, but that's also like how many, how many times have we seen teams play out playoff runs go down in smoke? Cause there's one bad lineup where they just don't quite have the ability to adjust. And by drafting a player who's, uh, really pliable into a lot of different developmental contexts. Like if you wanted to tell him to be like, all right, so, you know, we're going to use you as a screener who short rolls in guard to guard matchups. Like that could work. He's built like a truck. Um, you're essentially getting a, like a wing defender in a guard size body. Again, he's like six, four, but, uh, extremely strong. Um, and uh, capable of sliding between positions. To me, this is, uh, if you were to say, what's the best possible outcome of the draft, I'd say if you could get in here, you're in a great place. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue he'd be very, very high on my list too. Yeah, if you wanted to learn more about Springer, I'm actually doing a, a stream Tuesday, uh, which either may be today or may be in the past, uh, uh, on Let's Watch Film um, with Rafael Barlow, um, uh, which you can you can find on YouTube if you wanted to watch you know a representative game of Springer and, and see you know what the hype could potentially be about at 20. Yeah, and that's uh, I recommend that in a big way. Uh, you'll learn all about Jaden uh, there in addition to what PD just said. So uh, check that out for sure. All right, PD, before we get to uh, our next topic, and one more question that I have about guards, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors that there's something for absolutely everyone? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites. But if you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and available this week only. Get the new Built Bar flavor. It's grasshopper cookie. What does it taste like? Well, this is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without all of that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. My favorite flavor always changes, but this is one of my favorites. It's fantastic. And if you haven't tried all of the flavors just yet, you can get a mixed box where you get to choose where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're also very healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories range from 130 to 180, only four or five grams of sugar, and only four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. If you order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry, whatever you like, Built Bar is the place to do that, and it's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, get 15% off on your next order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's 15% off your next order if you use the promo code LOCKED15. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Even with the season over now for the Atlanta Hawks, Bet Online is still your home for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season, for example, is still in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the latest great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to the playoffs. And even when they're in the playoffs, head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Yes, that's checking out betonline.ag for 50% and extra cash and a welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, uh, last question on guards before we move on to some non 
combo lead guards. Um, if I tell you that Sharif and Springer are off the board, is there another guy that you would even think about at 20 between, you know, your Highland, McBride, Mann, Thomas types? Is there anybody that you would take there or, or, or would it just be a pass for you and you, you go elsewhere? Um, I'm, I mean, I think that like Deuce fits a lot of those. I just don't think he's as coverage versatile as Springer and that loses some of the allure at 20. Like, I mean, you're still getting a player who can do a lot of those things. It's just you're losing a lot of the, uh, like, certain matchups are going to give Deuce problems. Like, I mean, we talked about Suggs earlier. Suggs gave Deuce real, real problems um, in, in their matchup. And I just think that there is a style of guard and a style of wing who, like, he can't particularly guard. And you're going to want to put him on, you know, guards there. And with Trey, those, like, not having guard wing flexibility in certain matchups can be hunted. Um I would say that I would take Bones. Um, I think that there is a real argument that Bones is the best shooter in the draft. Um, like um, like overall, overall, really the best yes. shooter. Okay, interesting. Yes, yes. Overall, he, he, I um, mean, he can really shoot. I'm not gonna, I'm not arguing with that. I just uh, yeah. took me by, took me by surprise, but I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong to be surprised because like there are guys in this draft who are like 45 percent shooters, and Bones shot 37. Um, the thing is, is that Bones is actually like a five tool shooter. And I think one of the things that this draft has really illuminated for me is that like, and then doing like, let's watch film where we looked at Kisper, um, you know, we've gone through like shooters is that you have for, there are different ways of deploying a shooter. You know, you, you've seen a lot with Trey is like Trey doesn't really take as many catch and shoot attempts as probably would save his percentages. Like he is a better shooter than the numbers suggest because of how his usage is allocated. Yep. And the shooters like Kisper, uh, like 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 Murphy, like Kessler Edwards to a degree, like Wieskamp, they don't necessarily take every type of shot. They might take catch and shoots. They may take it off movement. They may take a little bit off uh, relocation, but they're not shooting off the dribble. And Bones took a huge volume of shots off the dribble and shot 37%. So the idea is that, like, yes, he's, you know, he shot 37% shooting with, like, I'd say, like, 10, 15% of his shots as double step backs or, you know, from the volleyball line, uh, wall covered. <laughs> like, again, just, like, cash it's, it's not an issue i mean he's, he's skinny but like he's there is not really a limit on his range and the idea is that like you're getting a player who would add a dynamic ball handler and a dynamic shooter to both get like trey potentially off ball for attempts or you have opportunities where like you can sort of replicate the uh steph clay like split cut dynamic where teams have to choose like if it's herder like do you stick with herder do you stick with um do you stick with trey off ball while also keeping you know, you can run those actions with other people, but if that person is also a threat to shoot from very deep or capable of shooting off the dribble, it presents um, a much different defensive dynamic and one that is just as threatening. It's not like, oh, we just have to defend this action. It's it's keeping a, a defense tilted um, with that. I mean, Bones is going to have uh, defensive limitations. Uh, there are real uh, positional concerns, but I think if you're just thinking about how can we be as dangerous as possible, um, adding somebody who has the shooting versatility um, and, and shooting, uh, repertoire, like the stuff that he can do just is extremely rare. Um, and that's, yes, it's a combo guard. Yes. It, you know, I just gave an impassioned speech about, you know, wanting versatility, <laughs> but it's also like, look, when you get a guy who can do a thing as specifically and as wonderfully as bones can do it, um, there's a value in that because oftentimes in the playoffs, like, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, but like getting the sharpest object. To, to pierce another boat is fairly helpful. It can work. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's interesting. And I, I want to make sure we get to some guys that are not guards. So let's move on from there. Uh, we talked about Zaire briefly earlier and also Jalen Johnson. Those are two of the more prominent names that could, could, could fall to 20. 
Uh, you know, Chris Duarte is famously talked about a lot. He's the old guy, but I like him, even though he's old. Um, you know, Kessler Edwards, you know, I guess Trey Murphy's been a, a fast riser. W- what do you make of the non-guards? Because, you know, as we sort of got into earlier, the Hawks don't have a huge need on the wing, and they don't have a huge need, especially at the four if John Collins returns. But you kind of have you kind of can't have too many of those guys, and there are some you would think that at least one or two of these guys were to fall. You know, Kessler Edwards might be around around. People like him as a lot as well. What do you think about the non guards in this range? Yeah, so let's just spend a little bit on on a couple of them. I mean, Jalen Johnson, the idea would be like he's uh, he's an advantage passer, um, so like you'd want to to short roll him. He played 13 games at Duke. Um, the highs are high. The, the, the lows are not. The low, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The lows are, are are. I would say like it's not that he like plays poorly. It's just he can blend in at times. Um, he probably needs a specific usage, and I'm not certain if the like if there is enough minutes, like uh, specific minutes towards his playmaking development and to, towards his like you know leveraging his ability to pass are going to be available on a good team. Like I think that the Hawks may be not in the place to develop him and also develop Cam Reddish at the same time. Like they don't, they don't, you know, play in the same, within the same archetype, but there's only so many like, you know, minutes of, of experimentation with an archetype that you can kind of allocate while being a, a top four team in the East. And he's also like, his defensive position is sort of strange. He's not, he like, ideally you'd want him to be a small ball five. Yeah. I think he's got to be he's a four, a, but he's but... a straight four and yeah. he, you don't feel comfortable switching him on wings. Like, he is he is a a position locked for. Um, he can like he'll, he'll use his strength against you know weaker guys, but that's not necessarily a, a readily available thing in the NBA. Like if if you try to use your strength against a guard, they'll get you leaning one way and it's over. Yeah, I, I don't know. Johnson's interesting in that like he's not he's not my favorite prospect, but it's this weird spot where. I think he like could conceivably get to 20 and at that point you're just betting on the talent because wasn't he a top 10 yes. RSCI guy? I think he was. Oh, he's higher than that too. I mean, yeah. he had, he had a, a weird um, last year of high school. He was probably a top five guy uh, going into his senior year. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and then... the, the tools are real, you know, six, nine, he looks like he, you know, come, come forward size, power forward size. And um, you know, they don't, as much as they have wings, um, the Hawks have not loved going super small they've done it at times and they didn't really have the the the, the bodies to do it because of all the injuries this year but they've kind of resisted the um push to play deandre hunter a ton at the four and they haven't really done a lot of that and maybe you will they want to quote unquote back a power forward for the long term i don't i don't know it's just interesting to me like it'd be a bet on talent and the fact that he doesn't need to play right away for them Uh, not that anybody does but if you're of the belief that Jalen Johnson is like has some seasoning that he's going to need maybe the Hawks should be a good spot for that on the flip side he may need to just like kind of play a lot and that won't happen that's what I think (laughs) I I think he's more of a a play a lot and also like it would be one thing if he needed to to play quite a bit and also like didn't have strength overlaps with a lot of the Hawks younger talent you know, Kevin Herter is probably going to have a playmaking explosion next year, or it's just like there's going to be more Kevin Herter pick and roll. There's going to be more uh, exploration of what he can do, and it's difficult to do that and do something else and give Cam Reddish, you know, his his you know recovery from injury season. Like there's, you know, DeAndre Hunter could have another, you know, um, uh, another growth in him. Like to me, there's too much overlap in in the talents. It's not that it's like a bad fit. I think that it would help the Hawks. Uh, a bit, but it also like may not be the best circumstance for maximizing the talent of Jalen Johnson, just given to given the the structural um, intricacies in place. 
Yeah, I mean, different player, but Zaire's kind of the same. Like, the question there would be, like, can he get enough development time? Because another super talented guy, but, like, the Hawks have a have a G League team that's down the street. That definitely helps, but that isn't the same thing as being with the big club. Like, would that be a similar concern for Zaire Williams if they were to take him? Um, or is that a situation where he might do well just kind of watching and learning a little bit? So Zaire's interesting because like Zaire does like he is a a a shot maker and and a scorer that's like his like he has uh I would say a better court field than you would expect. He also like grew during his senior year, which is always a thing that people struggle with. Where it's just like he like has times where the ball is like you know bouncing out of his hands and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is what happens when you grow like 2 inches, 2 and a half inches and you're uh, from your like he was listed at like 6-7 his senior year of high school." And now, now he's, he's like 6'10". Yeah. It's just like, yeah, that makes sense why you were like falling over. You know, you had a leg injury and you were growing. Okay, I'm I'm starting to – you can make that case pretty easily of like, yeah, um, skinny guy struggles with physicality while getting – you know, while having his leg in, you know, a uh, case of armor. It's a, it was an impressive brace uh, and he's growing. So I would say that like with Zaire, he does a thing. Like he's going to create space. He's going to to like catch and shoot. Um, the percentages weren't there. I mean, the, the jumper is one of the prettiest things you'll see for a player his size. Um, but he needs, I don't even think it's reps. I think it's just like developing physically and, and like having a role more defined. Like he was expected to, to be more of a primary creator and like, he's much better, especially, you know, as his body develops, uh, attacking Delta defenses. So I think Zaire, because of, of where his talent lies specifically is a better, um, gamble on talent for the Hawks ability to to realize that talent in a, in a way for future playoff runs yeah it's just he, I don't know it's just there's an interesting thought process of like you just bet on the talent or and not worry about it or, I don't know it's interesting <laughs> those two guys would be some of the sexier names the Hawks could take at 20 but you know there's arguments against um I want to make sure I ask you about Duarte because I led with the age because that's the leading thing with him. Uh, he's he'll be twenty four if he's not already. Um, is that a is that a huge concern? Like he was really good in college. I like him a lot, but he's also twenty four. And for this Hawks team, maybe it's not the biggest deal because you know they're not necessarily aiming for upside in the same way. But and he also might be gone. I mean, a lot of teams seem to like him, so he might be off the board by twenty. Yeah, I, I lean towards him being like being off the board more. Um, like he is already twenty four. Um, I mean, what do you what do you make of? I mean, it's because I, you know twenty. There are older prospects, and then there's twenty four year old. Like that's like a level above the normal age concerns that some guys have. Yes. Like DeAndre Hunter was an age concern at like twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, and, like, and, yeah, he's twenty. He turned twenty one like six months ago. Yeah, and, and Dorte yeah, I mean, is going to be twenty four at the draft. Like that's that's yeah. very, very very old in the first round. I mean, the question is like I, I guess for older prospects, the the math always works out too. Is your situation and their talent so aligned that it offsets them being bad as rookies? Because like every rookie, even older rookies, are still like they're not going to be bad to the degree that like a you know um, Poku. Who uh, yeah, <laughs> who was played very bad? Yeah, who played 800 minutes in his career before he got to America, and then like you know was dropped into NBA games. It's like yeah, this is gonna. He, be he also went to the perfect spot to be uh, to let to just let his flag fly in Oklahoma City in the middle of a of a wild tank. So that worked out very well for everybody. Yeah, the Victor Wembanyama tank is on. Um, <laughs> so I think that like you're at, the question is you know expecting there to be you know a fair amount uh, a better return than a young player. But still, like, you know, rookies adjusting to the NBA is super difficult. Like, is the situation perfectly aligned to get value out of a guy who shot 42% from three who has, uh, you know, ad volume 
and uh, has drill pass shoot skills. Like that's that is the real question is like, do you get better year one value there than anywhere else? And is that is that year one value enough to offset the potential four years of of lost um, you know of of loss on the back end? And like I think that the Hawks could. Um, like again, shooting is a at a wonderful premium. Um, and you have to assume like the defense will be better because he's just not going to have the same usage level. Um, but I I lean against it, but I can certainly see a case for it in the in the like the draft falls a certain way, and your choice is like yeah maybe we don't have as much comfort taking you know a big a big swing on Zaire and and you know the the connectors and and guards aren't there like this this would make a lot of sense in in that value proposition. Yeah, I almost think that teams. I mean, he might help the Hawks, don't get me wrong, but I think teams that like have more glaring weaknesses on the wing might be better situations for Duarte, like the Lakers, for instance, is one that I've liked for a while. Like, he might be gone by then, but I think they, they picked 22. Like, if you're the Lakers and you're, like, firmly in capital W win-now mode and you don't have a ton of wings, like, that actually makes some sense to me. Whereas the Hawks have wings and they're not quite... I mean, they're obviously trying to win now, but they're not... You know, Trae Young's not 36 like LeBron. It's not... You're not completely all in in the way that those teams are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I also think that like the the more yeah, just like the more set your roster is, the more it makes sense. And like because the Hawks could still end up being a number of different ways, like it, just in terms of like how you want to use usage and having a a question mark. Even though like I think it, there's an assumption that things will work out with John Collins, like there is still a question mark on a major segment of the roster. Oh yeah, I mean that's uh, as much as I project him to be there, there is certainly a chance he's not. That's that's yeah. that's in play. So, and the last thing you want to do is is to draft someone into that light. You know, draft an older player who need immediate value from and the roster is adjusting. Yeah, I think that's, that all tracks. Um, what these these two guys are seem to be compared a lot. I'm not even necessarily meaning to do that, but uh, Trey Murphy and Kessler Edwards like seem to be compared to each other, and they're very different. But do either of them intrigue you as high as twenty, or is that too high for those guys? I mean. I guess the this is the the John Collins is gone situation, like that's that's where I think they would make the most sense is just trying, assuming that like John Collins' scoring is going to, uh, you know Hunter and 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 Reddish and Herder, and that you just need a, a floor spacer at the four. Um, yeah, I mean they they both could shoot the hell out of the ball, um, and uh, both are extremely solid defenders. Do you do you um, trust Edwards' uh, weird shooting motion? I, I guess I have to ask you that because it's a, it's a, it's a little oh, strange. He's, uh, he's a forty percent career shooter on like three hundred fifty. I mean, no, I, I buy it. I, I just I just mean people are going to look at it and be like, what? And yeah, uh, that's, it's, I, a, I know it's supernatural. That, but, yeah, uh, it is it is um, a a reflex to look at it and be like, I don't know about this. And I looked up the list of people who have shot like th- it's thirty nine point five percent on at least like three hundred and seventy five attempts uh, who were drafted in either like the first. I, I believe it's about like pick thirty. And every single one of them is a, a super real shooter. So if he is not a shooter, um, it's basically unprecedented. If somebody that, that means somebody uh, got stupid and tried to fix this form in the NBA, like Fultz style, just yeah, or even like, like Bridges, like Bridges. Oh, like that's that. true. Yeah, that was a weird one. But yeah, uh, he, but he's I come think, out of it to his credit. I think that I think that um, one, there's a movement against it, and two, like I don't think that uh, the issue with his like is that with his jumper it's like how his it's it's the movement skills yes so like if you watch his shooting reel he's really good at shooting to his right but he never shoots going to his left 
he has some issues with power generation, like moving his hips left to right. And like, if there's one thing, I mean, you see the difference in Cam Reddish. If there's one thing NBA uh, training staffs know how to do, it's uh, solve like uh, flexibility deficiencies on tall, skinny dudes. They do that pretty well, I think, at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're if you're thinking, if you're looking at him, you're like, wow, you know, I don't know if he should like that in the NBA. Like, hey, there's like a good chance he doesn't shoot like that in the NBA. And you get probably a better version of that because he can also shoot going left. So, to me, it's not that like, I don't know if this works in the NBA. It's like, oh, he might shoot better. Like, there's a real chance that he shoots better in the NBA because he'll be able to, to generate more power in an omnidirectional way. Yeah. He's also a wild rotational defender. Yeah. No, I mean, I, he's a guy that I'm like predisposed to liking because yeah. he his defense is really really fun and i like it a lot and if you think the jumper will will translate and it sounds like you do and so the numbers do like i i think that he is routinely too low on boards that i see like he's like in the 30s or 40s and it's like that's a guy that i would at least consider at 20 just because he just does a lot of things well man like yeah it's not sexy and he played at pepperdine i, I get that but <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm uh uh, the way that I generally think outside of like the lottery is, is thinking about low hanging fruit developmentally. It's just like thinking about these players on like a day by day, like this is what you need to do to get, you know, more value out of them. And if you're just trying to sort by like, okay, what's the easiest thing that I think a, an NBA, like every NBA staff will do not to be like, Oh, we have the Toronto Raptors, you know, like the prime Toronto Raptors development staff. Um, you know, we could probably get the most out of almost any player instead of just being like, what if we're an average staff? Like I think an average staff gets Kessler to, to move dramatically better. And if we're talking about the version of him that moves better, like you're probably getting real value of that out of 20. Yeah, that would definitely return, uh, you would think, if provided the defense and shooting translate, which they should. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like a plan. Um, anybody that haven't asked you about that you want to, that you think is in play at 20? I mean, I, I haven't gone through every single player, but is there anybody that I have not mentioned that you want to mention? I mean, I think Kai Jones is interesting. I almost brought him up, and I talked about him a little bit on, on Monday, like, because he's, this is the way I put it, he's the only quote-unquote center guy that I would consider if he fell to 20 just because they obviously don't need a center but he's the kind of prospect that has enough ceiling and enough flexibility where it might be worth it yeah I mean the the idea for Kai Jones would just be like um there's nobody in this like if you wanted to just get as many like movement skills from a big as possible like he moves like he's six foot three he's a freak man like I'm, but not I'm, like a normal six foot three person like an, an athlete six foot three person. I've been watching him a lot for whatever reason recently I had to was trying to write something and anyway uh yeah it's it's staggering the way he moves at his size and the fluidity to it too like it's not just that he's an athlete because he he is but guys who are that big are not supposed to move that way uh basically is the way that I would say it if if Evan Mobley didn't wasn't in this class I feel like Kai Jones would like that that talking point would be a lot more present um just because Evan Mobley like moves like no like really no human being in, you know, in the last like five years moves. Yeah. Mobley's uh, getting all the attention. That's actually a good point. Not that, you know, Kai Jones is not a finished product by any means. Like there's questions there for sure. But like, if you just watch him like do stuff physically, like just turn the sound off and like watch that guy run around. It is, uh, it's pretty staggering. And if you buy the shooting, which I think he might be able to shoot at some point, And if he can do that, like you can play him with a Kongwu and have a lot of fun. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that it's, in any conversation about Kat Jones or, you know, Greg Brown, um, it's meaningful to mention that, like, they were used exclusively as play finishers at Texas. Um, the Texas five-out scheme turns wings and, like, bigs into, um, like, binary decision makers, where it's like, if the ball is passed to you, you do one of these two things. And it, like, 
really damages their uh, assist turnover ratio. So like they both look like very poor passers, and they don't like they do need to develop ball skills. But I don't think it's to the degree that like a cursory examination is. That like when they were placed in situations where they had reads to make, like I thought they did okay, and like that's going to need to be you know uh, uh, encouraged and, and and developed in their on their rookie contract. But when you're handed the ball, you know, eight feet from the rim, it's like okay, your your choice is to like go to your left or try to spin middle. Like sometimes there's just turnovers because there's not an avenue for you to pass out of that alignment. So if you buy the shooting, if you buy the shooting, shooting and movement skills at you know six ten, six eleven is a, it's a thing that's worked out for the Hawks before. And I'm not saying that he like it, that he is the the same player as Collins because like Collins uh, was an extremely wild uh, scorer for, on a you know permanent basis. But it's the idea that like you're betting on things that you've seen results from and like taking another role of basically the same dice at a, you know, with a little different allocation, um, with a better roster construction than what, um, John Collins was, was drafted into. Um, it's certainly like a thing that makes more sense because you know exactly what you're going to need out of him. And I do think that, I think you probably agree. I think he's going to be gone by 20. I think there will be a team that just looks at him and it's like, we got to do this. Um, but maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, I think that he might be a guy who is hurt by the trades. Oh, that might be that might be true. I just you know I have a hard time believing that NBA front offices, you know, seventeen and nineteen of them, depending on how many teams have multiple picks, and no one's taking him in the, in the teens. I just don't. I don't know. There's got to be somebody that's like, look at this guy. You know what I mean? Like guys that have his traits, like his physical movement and his athleticism at that size. I feel like someone's gonna do it. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I mean, listen, he'd be the only. Like I said this before, but he'd be the only guy. That's a center-ish prospect that I would even consider at 20 if I'm the Hawks. Like, you can't take De'Ron Sharp or Isaiah Jackson if you're the Hawks. That's just cross those guys See, off. But the thing is, is there's like 10 guys who, if you talk to 10 different people, you'll get different grades on. Yeah, like, no, I agree. I'm, I'm not like, saying that's it's wide open. That goes back to our original point on on part one. Like, it is wide open. I just think that just because of the athleticism, like guys that look and move like Kai Jones don't usually fall that far. You know what I mean? Am I crazy? I don't know. No, I, I I hear you, but that's what we always like. True, somebody might fall. Somebody's gonna fall. I don't know who's gonna yep. be. Somebody's gonna. Um, fall. Can I give a name that I would trade up for? Uh, um, because yeah. other than, other than Jaden Springer, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it, I mean, it's it's a non guard, and I think a player who fits an archetype that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, fire um, um So this is a player that, like, depending on who you talk to, you get extremely different answers. So I've talked to people who have him top five. Or I've talked to people who have him fifty. Ooh. Um, and that's Rocco Precaution, um, who is one of the youngest players in this draft. And I think an extremely interesting thing, imagining a world where John Collins is gone. I, I have not, I, I've watched him a little bit and he's on, he's on my list to watch more of because I, I have heard similar things to you. Like I've, I'm not sure I've, I've talked to anybody that hasn't been in the top five, but like he, people that I think are smart, seem to like him more than others. And I'm like, Oh, this is interesting to me. And, you know, Sengun's the guy who got the healing him and became like the, is this guy a lottery pick question? Whereas Prakachin hasn't really gotten that in the mainstream, but uh, please go on because he's someone I have to learn more about. Yeah. So uh, I've, if you wanted to, I, I have done a let's watch film on Rocco. Uh-huh. There, please go find that right now. Um, it is. Uh, so Rocco is, I will say that there is the way that the leagues are set up. Turkey had a, Turkey is an import league, and because of the COVID pandemic, 
they had uh, budget slashing, so a lot of imports weren't able to be available for the Turkish league, and so the Turkish league, which is generally one of the three best, four best leagues in the country or in the world, was not as good. Croatia not an import league. Uh, the Adriatic league are, are you know obviously uh, comprised of Adriatic countries didn't have those particular problems, and so I would say the leagues are closer than they've ever been in terms of value. Um, Prakashan is super young; he is uh, like six nine uh, plus three wingspan. He is the youngest captain in Sabona history. Um, dribble, pass, shoot, like big four. You can kind of mold him into anything. Um, I like him better. Like he, I, to me, he's like a true four, but he has the ability to shot block because he is extremely athletic. Um, uh, there is a idea that like European guys um, are very like finesse based, and Prakashan um, probably wants to dunk on people more than Isaiah Jackson does. Like in just in terms of like if he gets a little bit of a step, he's going to try to dunk on a grown man. And what, what I have seen about him, like him and Sengun, are like those guys are not soft European no, ar- archetype. No, no. Those guys play he, hard and go hard. Um, I would say like in terms of like cruel minded, very similar to Gallo. Where like you know how with the face that Gallo makes when like a, uh, like a rookie gets switched onto him, where he's just like you've made a terrible mistake. That's, that is exactly what happens when, like, Prakashan's <laughs> open at all. It's just like, okay, one dribble, I'm going to try to yak on somebody. Well, and, and um, Gal, Gal is the other way, and, and Gal is going to just shoot a jumper over you or get you yeah. in the air and be fouled. But, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've seen that face many times. There's, I, I think that one of the issues with, with Prakashan is that, like, his jumper looks a little bit odd. It's two motions. He has a little bit of a, a wrist impingement. To me, these are fixable issues. He has, like, good passing chops, and he gets doubled a lot. He's, he's like, making real reads on short rolls. Um, he, uh, again, like at the rim with violence in a league that is very physical, um, off of one or two feet. Um, to me, if you were to say like you trade up four spots and, and you think you can get him in a world where, you know, um, John Collins is gone, he's not going to replace him, but it's the idea that like, it's a, it is a player who is, uh, extremely aggressive, who has some passing chops, who can protect the rim, who hypothetically could be able to like switch onto bigger wings. You'd probably only want him to like on switching out of threes, but um, that's sort of the idea. And like, doesn't he, he is not afraid to like take open threes off the off movement, off the bounce or on catch and shoots and like is a lob threat day one. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, that, that tracks. I mean, I, I, he's on my extended list. I, th- I think I'm going to move him up higher because I, I trust you. Um, this is interesting to me because I am confident 99% of Hawks fans have not watched him play one second. Um, but this is going to be interesting now for people maybe to look at. I'm also very confident. I don't, I don't run Peace Hoops anymore, but I'm very, very sure that Graham Chapel will write a lot of words about him because he writes about all the international guys and that's going to be coming in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to ask him. I'm just going to assume that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a um, like it's a like for like fit. I think that if you watch some of like they're not perfect players. I think that like one of my concerns with Rocco is that like he and, and I wrote this in, in the written breakdown I have for him as well is that like the modern four is sort of an organizational sin eater where like Aaron Gordon had this problem where like the organization would build a roster and they're like, OK, Aaron, uh, we don't have shootings. So you got to shoot now. And they'd make a trade. It's like, oh, we don't have ball handling, so we kind of need you to be more perimeter-based. And then, you know, they'd make it, you know, a different move. And it's like, well, actually, now you're a rim runner also. And it's like, well, now you're asking this man to be five different places at once. And with younger wings who can, are multifaceted, it's difficult to ask them to do a lot of things equally and also well. Um, and that's less of a concern on a good team because it's like, okay, this is what we need you to do. We need you to, you know, roll hard on these sets. If you're open, shoot threes and defend this spot. 
like that's a much more uh, there's a higher guarantee that that translates into you know accessing the other connecting skills. So like being able to you know uh, make a good decision when attacked hard on closeouts, um, being able to you know uh, to make reads out of a pick and roll eventually, which I think is something that's possible for him. Um, you know you don't want him running a ton, but like he's carrying a huge usage. Um, like it's difficult when you have to do all of those equally as a rookie. And, and I think that's been one of the developmental lessons I've learned about the NBA is asking, you know, people to be good at 10 things generally ends poorly and asking them to be good at one. I mean, Clint Capella, I would say is a testament to this idea where it's like, all right, we need you to be good at these two things. And every year you add a little bit more and we start to put you in newer spots. Um, you know, master a corner, pick at it and, and slowly grow outwards. And I think that the Hawks, you know, sort of the inverse of Jalen Johnson would allow, him to work on those specific areas that they also need. Yeah, that all that all tracks for me. Um, I'm not going to make you uh, tell me who you'd pick, uh, but I, in uh, I guess if you want to sum up your sum up your your targets, uh, if you are the Hawks at 20, uh, depending on how the how the board breaks, I know you've sort of declared your love for Jaden Springer. Um, if he's not your best case scenario, you can offer somebody else up. But I guess give me give me two or three in the order that uh, you would have them if they are available to you at 20 for the Hawks. Oh man, this is a difficult one. The the danger of being a good team is just that you get to have so many choices where things make sense. You, you can give caveats too. You, you can give the Collins caveat as well because I mean, yeah, we're, we're not we're not, gonna, we're not going to know, but the Hawks are going to know more behind the scenes than we will, obviously. Yeah. So like, I would say if Collins is gone, I would try to get Rocco. That would be the, in that situation. That would be my pick. Uh, where everything stays the same, um, it would probably be um, it would probably be Springer. Those are those are the two ideals for me in looking at this roster construction and, and their outcomes to it. And then, you know, at, in the forties, you're trying to get, you know, whatever, um, whatever sense making player you can in the idea that like Herter is going to take more of those, those playmaking minutes. And I think he probably will on some level. I'm going to ask you for one, one more thing. And that is the Collins comes back, but Springer's off the board pick. Okay. <laughs> so, it's so hard. the hardest one. I know. Um, exactly. I, I knew. I knew you. I knew. I knew, did, I knew you did that on purpose. So I wasn't gonna let you get away with it. Yeah. You know, this is this is two times in a row that you put me in a terrible choice and not let me use my cowardly ways. Well, I mean, listen. You 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 can uh, you you can hem and haul. You, you can give me multiple guys if you want. Um, I would say Zaire. Um, you have an opportunity to to take high upside gambles and there's also like a strong chance that not every wing that's currently in the stable is going to be able to or is going to be interested in sticking around um you know we've seen teams build from a wing focused perspective and uh you know the phoenix suns have this problem where they couldn't pay joe johnson like obviously we're in a different cap climate but like there are limits to how many players you can pay and restocking the coffers with interesting wings who you believe you have a a developmental environment for um is necessary because as one enters, it's likely that within that three or four, like by the time that if you draft a wing now, by the time that they're coming for their uh, rookie renewal, there's a chance that one of the wings on the roster has either taken more money or, you know, needed to be traded elsewhere. Yeah. That, I mean, that all makes sense. I mean, I feel like if you just do the math, like there, there's definitely a chance in two years that one of the wings is not on the team anymore, whether it be bogey or herder, or however you want to do that. Like that's just the reality of the NBA. It doesn't mean they all, they, they could all be there, but there's a decent chance that one of them won't be. Um, and, and also, you just can't have too many wings. I've said that a hundred times. I'll say it again. Uh, you cannot have too many guys between six six and six ten that can do wing stuff in the playoffs. It just you can't have too many. Can I make one small caveat? Because I agree with that. Go ahead. With different skills. 
Oh, yeah. You, they always have to complement each other. I mean, you don't want to have a bunch of just stand around 3 and D guys who can't do anything on offense. I definitely agree with you on that. But the good thing is the Hawks have guys now that have varied skill sets. I mean, the four guys they have, they're not like perfectly complementary, but they all do a little bit different stuff, which is helpful. Again, this is my idea for Springer. You just connect all those little pieces so you can throw out lineups with all of them and it'll make sense. Uh, yes, well said. All right, well, PD, you've given me uh, a lot of time and I appreciate it. Uh, I know you. Ha- I had you plug your stuff at the end of uh, episode one here, but we'll do it again now. Particularly, you have all of these resources that are, I think are fantastic and uh, you go to a level that we just cannot do on a podcast. We're trying to cover more than one guy. So please share all of that stuff. People should be following you already. If they're not, they should be. And I will recommend that now before you even share your information. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at above the break three. Um, I have my written breakdowns on Patreon where everything is free. If you have a couple books, I would greatly appreciate it because stats and video packages are unfortunately uh, not particularly cheap. Um, if you are interested in um, in any of the film rooms that we've talked about, that's on YouTube at youtube.com slash pdwebyt. Um, and uh, for every prospect, we spend you know between an hour and a half and, and two hours breaking down a single game, talking about um, their projection, talking about what we're seeing. And, and I think most importantly, like, talking about how we evaluate it's, it's me and a guest you know a national writer um somebody focused on the draft you know coaches um and and you know trying to really break apart some of these ideas and, and think about you know every player as as its own like fun little exercise and and those have been uh, great fun I've covered i would say like most of the lottery at this point i think i have three or four left um and uh yeah um you know, Rocket Precaution is definitely one of them. Um, Jaden Springer uh, is definitely one of them. Franz um, Wagner, go blue again. I should... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we did Zaire as well. There you go. Um, didn't quite have the time to, to get to everybody in this draft, but um, I'm definitely going to be continuing them through Summer League. So whoever the Hawks do draft would definitely uh, get four or five games of them together and probably get like 20 plays for each player. Um, if you're interested in FIBA, well, we just did a, a long podcast review of the 10 most interesting prospects from, or did a long breakdown on the, 10 most interesting prospects from the recent FIBA U19. So if uh, the Hawks are, you know, uh, worried about potential assets in 2022 or 2023 drafts, uh, we got that covered. Um, there you go. You know. No, lots of, lots of content. And uh, I will probably beg you to come on again post summer league. Cause I know you will have, you'll be watching everything that transpires there. And uh, that's when uh, contrary to this year where uh, the draft cycle last year was like a year long this year, it's very short, but then we'll have at least a few weeks between summer league and the, and the season. Whereas last year it was like draft training camp. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited to talk about uh, summer league cam reddish. That is, he might play one game. I have no idea what's going to happen oh, with him I will, there. I, but. I, yeah. I am. I promise you, I'm going to break down that game. Because no, they're... it's it's going to be fascinating to me, like how much they play Cam and even Akongwu. Like, because Akongwu was just pl- was just playing like huge minutes in the conference finals, like playing real minutes, and now he's going to play summer league, and it's like that's just a weird thing to happen. And Reddish, you know, year three, I know why he's playing. He has he just has not played that much, but uh, it will be hilarious, maybe, or he'll just dominate, or he won't. I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I have no idea. Can, I, can we just do a quick victory lap, me and you, on, on loving a Kongu pre-draft? Uh, I, th- I think we're getting there. I mean, I try not to, like, go too crazy about it, but I do feel uh, quite good about Oh, well, then on. let me do that for you. Go ahead. Since, since you're not comfortable. You can just, you know, go into this feed and search my name and hear uh, your wonderful host's opinions, which were proven to be correct and true. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I liked the Congo. I, I was I was not bashful. I, I even went on the Hawks official, uh, like I think it was Periscope or whatever it was with Bob Rathbun on the night of the draft. And they were like surprised about how high I was in the pick. I was like, I, I like a Congo. I think he's really good. Um, hey, draft guys who are good at basketball. 
crazy. It's uh, oh. yeah, that's a helpful thing to do. We got um, over a lot of guys. I appreciate you, PD. We'll do this again. I will uh, yeah. beg you. And again, I cannot recommend your stuff more to the listeners. Check all talk. Check all of that stuff out. I know I learn a lot from PD, and uh, people should be listening to you. Thank you very much. I'm excited to, to check back again summer league, and I, I just appreciate you having me and uh, giving me an opportunity to to ramble endlessly uh, <laughs> to to a major metropolitan area. There you go. It's my pleasure, sir. Uh, as for everybody else, please subscribe to this podcast. Follow the show at, at on Twitter at Locked On Hawks. Rate, review, all that fun stuff. Check out PD's work, and we'll see you next time.